Psalm 40 is attributed to David. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. If you just look at verse 3, the psalmist David said he put a new song in my mouth. But if you go back a couple verses, you learn that there is a story behind the song. God bless you. You may be seated. The story behind the song. Well, everybody who believes in Jesus should have a song in their heart. And Pentecostal people are especially known for singing and worship. Can I get a witness? We are singers. We have soloists who can sing, and then we have people who want to sing so low you can't hear them. <clears throat> we have tenors who we want to sing 10 or 12 miles away. You have those folks. We have praise team members. We have choir members. And this congregation sings like it's a concert. Amen. So I want to just try a little concert of amen right now. So you can kind of sing it if you got a deep baritone voice or a tenor voice. If you're a high soprano or an alto, you just use what kind of comes out. And let me hear not like a little amen, but like an amen, like whatever that works for you. And you can choose any key you want. Are you ready? Amen? amen. That's not bad. The congregation sings. Everybody who's a good singer sings. I like to watch people who know that they should be in the choir, but they're in the congregation, but they love the Lord and they love to sing. And we let people who are not that good sing from right where they are. <laughs> there are people who can't carry a tune in a bucket, but in the presence of the Lord, we sing the Bible says a lot about singing. It's mentioned many times in the Old and several times in the New Testament. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Amen. We're to praise His name in the dance. In case you were wondering if it's okay to dance before the Lord, yes, it's all right to dance before the Lord. The Bible calls us to do that. Talks about that more than clapping your hands, by the way. The Bible says that we're to speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That means in your private devotion and in worship to God. You've heard those stories, and we know people who just got in the Spirit on the Lord's Day or on another day, and they were worshiping God, and then they begin to sing in a language that they never learned as the Spirit gave them a song. Amen? The Bible speaks of a song in the night that will encourage you and get you through dark times. 
Paul said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, speaking to yourselves in psalms and spiritual songs, making singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And Psalm 33, 3 says, to sing unto the Lord a new song and play skillfully, some of you will have a trouble with this, with a loud noise. This is not a meditative environment. Go climb up on a hill somewhere if you want to meditate. Amen. We've come into a place of a congregation of singers and praisers and musicians to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Psalm 47, 6 says, sing praises to God. Now, they must have had an audience of slow learners when this psalm was written. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. To the really slow learners, sing praises unto our king. And to those who just don't want to learn, he says it again. Sing praises. As if saying it once didn't really get our attention and it went in here one ear and out the other sing praises to god sing praises sing praises unto our king sing praises for god he gives us the reason for god is the king of all the earth sing praises with understanding we're not just making up crazy lyrics we're not just singing to God without meaning. Oh, I know we're emotional and we believe in passion and expression of worship, but we're not just dumb and numb. We've got something that is behind our song. We sing praises with understanding. Amen. There's a rhyme to our rhythm. There's a story behind our song. And David told us what it was. Our Song grows out of our story. Psalm 40 attributed to David, that uncommon man who grew up in a very common family and one day became the king of all of Israel. He was a shepherd, a warrior, a musician, an inventor of instruments, a poet, and a composer, and the Lord called him a man after God's own heart. This was David. He knew what it was like to be favored by the king and enjoy the privilege of that favor. But he also knew what it felt to feel the hot jealousy and anger of King Saul, who in his insecurity tried to destroy David. Now, some songs are born of wonderful times of celebration. But there are many great songs that have been born out of the depths of despair in the worst of times. And Psalm 40 was born of just such an occasion. A time in David's life when he was at the very bottom and even below the bottom, if you could say it like that. He said in verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Patience pays off. God does not always respond immediately when we find ourselves in a sticky situation. But David was patient in his prayer and he waited and the Lord inclined. From the Hebrew, it's like the Lord leaned over toward him and then David said, he heard my cry. 
I want you to know that you may think that God is on a far journey, that he doesn't know you exist, but he hears your cry. He's leaning over towards you. His ear is not heavy that he cannot hear you, and his arm is not short that he cannot reach to you to save you. There is a God that hears you when you pray. David said, he brought me up out of an horrible pit. You know what makes a pit horrible? You can't get out. It's deeper than you can reach. It's sticky on every side and slippery and slimy. And you're in the bottom. And whether your own sins put you there or like Joseph, someone threw you in, you're helpless. You cannot get your way out. That's what makes a pit a horrible pit. David may have been there by his own mistakes because later in this psalm, it speaks of David and his iniquities that have come over him and caused him to be in despair. In the Bible, there are numbers of expressions of this in Isaiah and Zechariah, where a pit in the book of Jeremiah, where a pit was, was an intentional prison. It might have been an old cistern that was abandoned, just a big hole in the ground, but it was deep and maybe it was dry and maybe it had mud and maybe it had a little water in the bottom and they would throw people there. It was a convenient cell and keeping place for bad guys or enemies, even if they were the good guys. They were literally down in the pits in a pit. Amen. David was there. When he got in the bottom of the pit, though, he found something else that was even worse. There was miry clay there. Sticky, yucky clay. Moist, cold, not just the dampness of the atmosphere, but the dampness of the clay, the miry, the sticky clay. When I was a young boy, my Uncle Tom, who is a fireman, bought a, an international scout. If you know what that is, raise your hand. It's a truck, right? Four-wheel drive vehicle made for the mud. We lived in South Florida near the Everglades. So my Uncle Tom took my dad and I, remember I'm a little kid, out on some mud riding out in the Everglades. It was behind what today is Doral Country Club, if you've ever heard of that, in West Miami. And we were out in the, in the sawgrass, and there were some melaleuca trees out there, I think. But we're just riding around in the mud, and Uncle Tom's unstoppable international scout. And then he just drove off into soup. If you know what the Everglades muck is, it's organic matter. And if there's a drought, that stuff can catch fire and burn, and it will burn under the ground. But when it's wet, it's literally like just soup. It's like quicksand. And we sank all the way to the chassis in that unstoppable international scout. Uncle Tom, though, was a smart man, and he bought a mud jack. I didn't know what a mud jack is, but I found out that day. It's a taller jack than normal, and they found, scrounged around, and found an old board laying out there, and they put the jack on a board, and they tried to put stuff under the tires to get a little traction, and we were going nowhere, and they jacked the scout up, you know, on one side, and shoved it off the jack into more muck, jacked it up again, and moved it over a little bit more until we finally 
got out of a really sticky situation. I have been there where it was muddy and you could not extricate yourself from the mud that you were in. When our boys were teenagers, they had all kinds of fun, like the night that Bryce and Justin sunk my forerunner all the way up to the chassis over there off Sweetwater Creek and Blair's Bridge Road. And then there was the day when Carl Franzen had a had a four by four, and Joel and Carl and Josh, I think, were out over there off Mount Vernon driving up in the power line in the mud, and and they told me about it. They were stuck in the red Georgia miry clay. And they tried everything they could do to get out of the miry clay, and it didn't work. So they had to call for a higher power. No. <laughs> Dad, can you come? Pull us out off the power lines. What makes a pit a horrible pit and what makes miry clay so miserable is that you cannot save yourself. This is where David was. And this is the point of the psalm. That I cried unto the Lord. And he inclined unto me, and he heard my prayer, and he came to where I was, and he picked me up out of a horrible pit, and he got me out of the miry clay. If you've ever been there and had it happen to you, why don't you take a moment just to say thank you, Jesus, for coming to me when I couldn't save myself. Amen. Psalm 40, 12, David spoke. This is the same psalm. Innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me. I'm not able to look up. They're more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Oh, please be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me and make haste to help me. I am down in this pit in miry clay, and I cannot get out. I have given up saving myself. Every self-assured, self-reliant, unstoppable man or woman in this congregation, I don't care how smart you are, talented you are, and however much motivation you have in our sins, we're in a place where we cannot save ourselves. And you will come to a place in your life when there's nothing you can do but look up and cry to the Lord. But the good news is that when you cry unto the Lord, He will hear you. He will incline toward you. He will come and pick you up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. That's the kind of Savior that Jesus Christ is. Jeremiah was in a place like this. They lowered him down, and there was water and slime in the bottom of a pit that became his prison for him. And Jeremiah said, my enemies without cause hunted me down like a bird. They silenced my life in the pit and threw stones at me. The waters flowed over my head, and I said, I am cut off. I called on your name, O Lord. From the lowest pit, you have heard my voice. Do not hide your ear from my sign, for my cry for help. You drew near on the day I called you and said, Do not fear, 
Oh, Lord, you have pleaded the case for my soul, and you have redeemed my life. You see, we sing at Atlanta West because there's a story behind our song. We were like David. We were like Jeremiah. We were in a place when we could not save ourselves, but the Lord heard our cry. The Lord reached to where we were, and he saved us. He picked us up out of the horrible pit and out of the miry clay. That's the story behind the song. But that's not the end of the story behind the song. He wasn't like the mud jack that just jacked the truck up and pushed it in another mud hole. The Bible says in Psalm 42 that he got me out of this horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and then he set my feet on a rock. That feels better. You've been sinking deep in sin. You've been sinking in the mire of a horrible situation that you cannot get yourself out of. And all of a sudden, you've been pulled out of that, and he puts you on a rock. You know, February's been about foundations, about something to build your life on. And that's what David found, that God got him out of a place that was unstable. And he put him in a place that was stable. He set my feet upon a rock. No more horrible pit. No more miry clay. Now my rock is on a foundation. If you heard my testimony of the Lord saving me, it's not that sensational. I was raised in church. I was raised on the rock. But my story is that my grandfather was brought out of the miry clay. That my dad was saved out of a horrible pit. My story is that God reached down to my family and they pulled me out of what was impossible to them so I could be raised in a life that had stability. But I, I can't say the same of family members of mine who were raised by parents who were not in church. Broken homes. Nothing stable. Nothing solid. Nothing was secure in their life. Moved from place to place you know, divorce and brokenness in their life. It was like a sticky, deep pit. But I thank God that for my dad and for my grandfather on my mother's side, they came into church in his day, that the Lord had mercy on them. And I want you to know today that it does not matter how far you've sunk in sin. It doesn't matter how hopeless you feel. It does not matter how hard you've tried to save yourself. Jesus is a Savior. Jesus is a Savior. Jesus is a Savior. He will come to where you are. He will pick you up out of the pit. He will dig you out of the clay. The rock of Jesus Christ. The rock of truth. A place of stability and strength. David said, the Lord delivered me from this horrible pit and from the miry clay. And then he said, there's more to this story. I'm not just singing randomly. You see, I was in a pit of despair, and the Lord got me out. I was stuck in, in mire, but the Lord pulled me out of that. And then he put me on a rock, but it wasn't just a little rock you could stand on for the rest of your life. It was a path that was paved with the nature of God and the truth of God's word. He said in this same verse, Psalm 42, and established my going. Now, I, I like that word. He established where I'm going to go. 
Do you know the Bible said that a good man's steps are ordered of the Lord and he delights in his way. One translation said that he makes my footsteps firm. I'm not walking on quicksand. I'm not walking in the instability of this culture. I'm not overly concerned about what will happen in the future because I'm standing on a rock and I'm walking in a path that is firm and steady and I know that it goes from here to heaven and every day I'm walking on something that I can count on that will never let me down. Amen. He established my going. Amen. There's certainty about establishing your goings. You see, we're not gambling with our lives. We're not unstable in our future. We're not uncertain about what's going to happen. We have clear direction for tomorrow. Brought out of our old sinful past. Set on a rock. Set on a path that you can count on to keep you every day from here to heaven. This is what David said. Cry to the Lord. Inclined it to me. He heard my cry. He brought me up out of an horrible pit. And from the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock. And then, then he established my going. And he said, then when he got through with all of that, he said, you know what? You still don't look like you're really, you know, where you need to be. So in verse 3 he said, and he put a new song in my mouth. Because that's how other people will know that your life has been changed. The old life, the old song was, Help me! Amen? Because when you're in a pit, where do you go in a pit? It's round and round and down. And that's what the nature of a horrible pit and miry clay is. And that's what it does. But now, he's not going round and round over and over. And the Lord put a new song in his mouth. So no more poor pitiful me in a pit that has become a prison for my life. His old song, some of you know. Some of you were this song. It was gloom, despair, and agony on me. It was deep, dark depression. Excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, you'd have had no luck at all. Your old song was just gloom, despair, and agony on me. And if you don't know that song, good, it's a terrible worldly song. Some of you are more used to a song that ACDC sung, The Highway to Hell. I went back and looked at the lyrics because sinners and Satan makes that highway look mighty attractive that it's all one party to another. But it's a downward spiral and a path that leads to hell. Amen. I'm glad that I'm not on the highway to hell. But the Lord has picked me up, turned me around, set my feet on solid ground. I know where I'm going every day on my way to heaven. Some of you grew up on that burgundy songbook number 248. My soul was distressed neath Jehovah's dread frown. And low in my sins, right? 
in the pit rather, where my sins dragged me down. I cried to the Lord from the deep miry clay who tenderly brought me out to golden day. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today to stay. A song of praise. Hallelujah. There's a story behind my song. If you see somebody dancing, if you see somebody praising, if you see somebody weeping, they're not just making that up. It's not just a standalone song. There's a story behind that song of a pit and a prison and a sinful life and the deliverance of Jesus Christ. Why don't you praise him right now? Hallelujah. Verse 3, he's put a new song in my mouth. Even, what is that song? Even praise unto our God. It's a song of praise. It's a song that celebrates the greatness of our God. That he is the one who gives every good and perfect gift that comes from his gracious hand. Amen. Our praise is an expression of worship that I'm no longer what I used to be. I'm not delivered from the troubles of this earth, but I'm delivered from the power of my sins and the record of my sins. My destiny is heaven. Jesus is my Savior. I know where I'm going. Amen. He's gone away to prepare a place for me that where he is, one day I will be with him. My song is a praise unto my God. That's why we think about what we sing at Atlanta West. Pentecostal church, we sing testimony songs like he brought me out. But we mainly focus on singing to Jesus Christ, sing praise to him, sing words to him to extol his greatness in our lives. And David said, put a new song, a new song in my mouth, even a praise to our God. And then he said, many shall see it. And fear or have reverence for God and, for, and shall trust in the Lord. I love the change that Jesus Christ brings in people's lives. You go to work and they're like, hey, something happened to you? Yeah, something really good happened to me. Well, it looks like you don't have the same depression hanging over you that you did last time I saw you. What happened? Well, I learned that Jesus died for my sins, and I asked him to forgive me of my sins. I, I was baptized in water in Jesus' name, the one who died for me. I was buried with him by baptism. And when I came out of that water, I rose to walk in the newness of life. That's why I whistle while I work. That's why I sing. He's put a new song in my mouth a praise to our God and if you'll have a song many shall see it many shall see it many shall see it and they'll say what a great God and they shall trust in the Lord they'll say I want a God like that you say there's a story behind my song there's a story behind your song. Because every redeemed person that serves Jesus Christ and names the name of the Lord has a story of a time 
when you are stuck in a situation that you cannot dig yourself out of, but the merciful hand of God reached down to you. Amen? And he delivered you out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. You see, there's a real story behind our song. But when I look in this congregation, I've been here more than a couple of days, and most of you have been too. I see people that lose their song. They were delivered from sin, on the rock, on a path, song in their mouth, a praise to God, and then they had a setback in life that set them up for failure. And instead of running to an altar, they ran away in condemnation from the forgiveness of God. And so instead of a song of praise, you're back to gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark, depression, forgotten that we're not in heaven yet. And as long as we're here, there will be sickness and pain and all the things that will be erased in the new Jerusalem, we will live with here till we get there. But it does not have to rob you of your song. And some of you are like, the little character I told you about years ago. You remember Chippy the parakeet? Hmm. He had an owner. She loved her little parakeet. My grandmother loved parakeets. She always had them. I remember the one, my favorite was blue, I think. Blue parakeet. I don't know what color Chippy was. Chippy had a nice cage and it was really fine. Everything was good in Chippy's life. But Chippy did what little birds do and at the bottom of Chippy's cage was stuff that needed to be removed. So his owner got the brilliant idea of disconnecting the, the, you know, the, the floor deal off the vacuum cleaner and using the hose to clean out the bottom of Chippy's cage. Though Chippy was there perched high above the action below, she had a little vacuum, vacuum cleaner nozzle and was in there vacuuming out Chippy's cage when the phone rang. And when she turned around to answer her phone, she lost track of where the vacuum cleaner hose was and it went right toward little Chippy and it just sucked him right in. Y'all feel more sorry for a parakeet than you do some people, I'm telling you. She panicked. She freaked out. She opened the vacuum cleaner. It was that vacuum cleaner that had a bag in it. She ripped open the bag. And there he was. Covered in dust, soot, hair. Dazed, but alive. Some of you are saying, I'd rather be dead. <laughs> Little Chippy felt sorry for him in his condition. So she grabbed her little parakeet up, ran to the bathroom, turned the water on in the sink, stuck her little parakeet down in the sink and washed him off really good. And then there was Chippy in the sink, shivering as only a little soaked parakeet could shiver. She felt sorry for Chippy. In his condition, so she grabbed the hair dryer. <laughs> well, 1350 watts. 
and she blow dried Chippy back to original condition. She took her little parakeet. I think he was blue. He was really blue then. <laughs> Accident. And put him back in his cage. A few days later, somebody was checking up on Chippy. How's Chippy doing? She said, you know, Chippy doesn't sing anymore. <laughs> he just sits and stares. Yeah, you, you understand. One day everything's going good, perfect in your life, just perched up there, singing away. And all of a sudden, shoo, lose your job. Spouse walks out. Kids get in trouble. Bank account's in the red. Shoo, sucked up. Washed up, blasting winds of life. Chippy's story is really funny, but in life it's not so good. It's sad for a sinner who does not have a song, who is in a horrible pit, stuck in miry clay. To be delivered out of that and have a new song in your mouth, even a praise to your God that many can see and they see the change in their life, only to regress and go back down into depression or circumstances or an overwhelming flood of stuff in your life that knocks you off your feet, causes you to lose your song. You see, there's a story behind our song. And it is a story of salvation. It is a story that they sang in Revelation where the Lord has redeemed them out of every nation and kindred and tribe and tongue and made them kings and priests unto God. He gave them a new song. And I'm praying that if you've never known the song of redemption, that you would open your heart today and let Jesus Christ give you that song. And if you, like Chippy the parakeet, have lost your song, I'm praying that Jesus Christ would help you recover yourself, maybe even out of the snare of the devil, so that you can recover the song that he put in your heart when he saved you. I want us to bow our heads right now. And would you pray with me right now? And if you need to ask Jesus Christ for forgiveness, would you ask him for forgiveness? If you need to ask him for strength, would you ask him for strength? Would you ask him for the ability to put one foot in, in front of the other to walk your way out of the valley that you found yourself in? Would you ask Jesus Christ to help you recover your song? Now let's let our voices be lifted up right now in Jesus' name. Every voice lifted up to Jesus Christ and let's talk to him right now.
Lord, forgive sins right now, Lord, as people pray. I ask you, Jesus, that you would restore joy to saints, oh God, who have lost their song. I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us know, Lord, that you didn't just save us so we would be on the right path, but you saved us, Lord, to give us joy unspeakable and full of glory, to give us life in that more abundantly, Lord, to daily load us down, Lord. Saved us, Lord God, not just to serve you, Lord, but to have gladness and joy in our lives. Put a song in our mouth, I pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Your first step toward God is repentance. Turning from sin. Repentance is a change of mind. Change of heart. It's a change of life direction. Away from sin and toward God. It is your first step toward God. And you're powerless until you repent. But when you repent, you give permission for God to come into your life. With delivering, saving strength. So what you cannot do on your own, God will do for you when you turn to Him with all of your heart. But I've also learned that repentance, it doesn't just belong to the first time guest. It doesn't just belong to the sinner. But repentance belongs to the saint who may be struggling. This repentance belongs to us if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Those words were written to Christians by the Apostle John. Repentance is also a change of mind about our attitude toward God and our attitude toward life. And when we turn, when we change our mind, we open our hearts to the presence of God. And then, as you begin to thank God for forgiveness and give Him praise, His Spirit will come flooding into your life with joy unspeakable and the glory of God in your life. When a person turns from their sins and repentance, I'm talking about a brand new person who's led a life of sin. That's what we instruct them. Turn from your sins and repentance. Ask Jesus to forgive you. Turn away from your old life. And then when they do that, and we see relief coming as God begins to forgive them in anticipation of baptism, we, what do we say? We say, you know what, now begin to just praise God. Just begin to thank God for forgiving you. Thank Him that He's a Savior. Thank Him for showing His love to you. And we tell that brand new person to begin to thank the Lord and worship Him with all of their heart. And we tell them, as you do, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come on you. And you'll begin to speak words that you do not understand. You'll begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance or the ability to speak. That's what we tell them. And He will do it for you today if you have never received the gift of the Holy Ghost. But I said that for those of you who have already had the Holy Ghost but have lost your song and have lost your joy. So if you need to repent of sins, do that. 
But if you just need to have a change of attitude, a change of mind about where you are right now, why don't you say, Lord, I thank you for picking me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay. Thank you for putting me on a rock. Thank you for establishing my steps. Lord, thank you. Put a song in my mouth. And I want to assure you today that if you will begin to worship God with total abandon, that that same God who saved you in the beginning will come with his salvation and he will give you a refreshing and a renewing of the spirit in your life. If you've lost your song, why don't you make up your mind that you're going to get it back today by the grace of the Lord and because you're going to turn to Him with all of your hearts. We've already prayed in repentance. Would you please stand right now? Here's what we're going to do. We're not going to come with, a, with kind of a slow consecration song. Sometimes we do that. We're going to come praising God with all of our hearts. And you may not feel praise but I want to encourage you to praise. Just lift your voice. You may want to applaud the Lord or lift your hands. And I want you to begin to praise God and for the victory that is coming in your life. Amen. Let that song come back to you today. Let the joy of the Lord that is your strength, let it come back to you today. Amen. Why don't you make your way from where you are right now. Walk to this altar area. Let's come worshiping the Lord with everything that is in us.